I am your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king, then? The Lady of the Lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords, is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! Oh, but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! Oh, but if I went round saying I was an emperor, just because some moistened bint had lobbed a scimitar at me, they put me away. Shut up, will you? Shut up! Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is the FOMO Show. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets, and future tech in relatively plain English. We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out. So you can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your platform of choice. Yeah. Everything in this show is in the show notes. Uh, you can find links to the stuff we're talking about and uh, timestamps to the relevant parts so you can always skip ahead or find it later. So this episode, we're going to be talking about a number of things. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to catch up on the last two weeks of news and tell you a bit about what we've been up to. Uh, yeah, we got an interview uh, with Craig Ritchie of Hashrush. Uh, he's a director of marketing there. That's pretty exciting. Lots to look forward to. Yeah, we're also going to look at a cool tool, and uh, we're going to check in with Jordan Cronier as well, who's uh, who's actually still here in Australia. Mm, yeah, he recently started a job at News Corp, and um, yeah, some interesting stuff's happened since then. Mm, so, so stay tuned for that. If you want to be part of the show, you can record a voice message in Telegram or email it to us at fomoshow at protonmail.com. So what have you been up to this week, mate? Oh, mate, I've just been slaving away. I say slaving. I've just been working. Uh, just been just been working. Uh, yeah. Cracking on to my new job. Lots to do there. So, yeah, keeping keeping on my toes. Uh, what about you? You've been down to Sydney. You've been... Well, I, I, I mean, you've really been enjoying what you've been doing at this new job as well. I mean, I caught up with you last week, uh, around the middle of the week sometime. Um, we had a coffee and yeah. and you just had a big smile on your face, man. Like, it was. It, it sounds like you've been working on a lot of interesting stuff there. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah. I've been keeping very busy. I think I mentioned it last time, planning this conference, all this stuff. It's been enough to... Enough to keep me busy, and yeah, just just this last week we've just been watching live streams of you know spaceships taking off while, <laughs> while we're all working. So yeah, pretty exciting. And that space that was SpaceX, wasn't it? Elon Musk company. Yeah, yeah, pretty 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 wild stuff, really. He's they're just launching rockets like there's nothing else at the moment. So yeah, did they land this one like they did the other ones? Yeah, they did, but uh, they didn't manage to capture the footage of it landing. Well. In real time, so oh, okay. maybe there's footage of it. Now. Was it on like a ship as well, or was it? Yeah, they were landing it on. Um, what was the name of the ship? It's called. Uh, of course, I still love you. Um, <laughs> Is that what the ship's yeah, called? the landing ship. The yeah. <laughs> of course, I still love you. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, I just love all this, all the stuff he does, man. They just have so much fun with what they do. Mm, like, mm, mm. yeah, just having a bit of bands. We'll be covering that <laughs> podcast with, uh, a bit later with some mm. clips, but yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, no, you've you've been down to Sydney. You've been you were speaking at Griffith University in Brisbane before that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was <laughs> it was a pretty crazy couple of days. I spoke at Griffith. Uh, university in the morning on supply chains. So, they right. got me in just to talk about what blockchain does and how it may relate to supply chains and mm-hmm. and uh, and how some people are beginning to use it now. Uh, so, the, the, the distributed ledger technology right. and some of the smart contracting stuff as well. So, that was really interesting. Got to talk to uh, a number of faculties there. They all came along and a few students who are doing some interesting projects as well. So, wow. Yeah, just uh, talked there for a couple of hours and then I flew down to Sydney where there was the uh, Blockchain Investment Summit for 2018, which was which was going on. And it was a great conference, mate. It was a oh. conference over three days. I came on the second day and sat around for the third day and there were a number of companies down there. Wow. Uh, Amber w- were down there who've, who based here in Brisbane. They're launching a... Uh, it's like an Acorns for crypto app, okay. so it's like a it's like a crypto savings app that's wow. that's being launched pretty soon. Actually, I think they they may even have a some kind of promotion going on pretty soon. So if that's if that's live, we'll link that in the show notes just so people can go look at it. Wow. Um, and uh, and then there was Picnic, who are another Queensland based company who are doing something with insurance, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really cool. Um, another one called Emu as well, who are building like a Quantum. They're trying to build a true quantum resistant blockchain, and they're taking the Cardano approach in peer reviewing. Wow, a lot of their material. So really interesting talk talking to them as well. And um, yeah, also got to chat to Hashrush, and mm. that'll be that'll be the interview later on. So that's like a blockchain based game. Yeah, so they're building a game. The way they say it, they're building a game first, which is meant to be fun, hmm. but. The back end of the game is a crypto economy wow. built on Ethereum. Wow. And they're also making it so that a lot of the in-game assets will be attributable to your account, your Ethereum account, and you'll be able to trade them to each other on the, on the marketplace. So, you'll wow. have some true uh, scarce items which are tokenizable and collectible, which is really cool. So, uh, a lot of similarities to what Engine are doing with their collectible side of things, mm-hmm. but... They've also got a mining operation which they're running to essentially bankroll the game economy in Ethereum. So wow. they're mining Ethereum at the moment, and as the game grows, they're going to buy more and more mining rigs to essentially keep injecting money into the uh, into the gaming economy. So Brilliant. we'll chat to them. Uh, we'll put the interview with with them later. Uh, it was a really really interesting interview and a really interesting project. So and they're currently looking for people to sign up for their beta. Wow. So we'll put the link to that in the show notes as wow. well. So, so if you're into it's it's a strategy game. Strategy game, yeah. It's like a real time strategy game. What would you say it's most similar to? So it was apparently inspired by StarCraft. Wow. Um, which is as uh, Joe knows, I, I watch a lot of StarCraft. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a StarCraft is for anyone that doesn't know, probably the most competitive real time strategy game. It's the official religion of South Korea. Basically, yeah. So, you know, people will uh, pack out stadiums and a it's lot of people insane. will watch. It's kind of like chess on steroids. Mm. So if you like chess or you like the idea of chess but don't really like watching it, give StarCraft a go because it's mm. just at such a high level now. Like these guys are performing like four or 500 actions per minute, wow. um, which is like six or seven actions per second or something ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, so that, they've taken inspiration from that. I think they've there's a multiplayer element to it as well. Um, so there's all sorts of things going on there, but cool. yeah, it looks really cool. The trailer looks really nice. So yeah, we'll, we'll chat to them, but overall just a really great summit. They put on a really, 
uh, the organisers put on a really great event, and uh, and they looked after us really well too. They, they were very, they were there the whole time. Uh, we went out and had some beers with them afterwards uh, on both nights. Just just a really good event. So wow. yeah, shout out to everyone that was there. If we didn't mention you, sorry, uh, but there was a lot of great people. Bit of disclosure: this is not investment advice. Um, we're not saying you should buy anything to do with cryptocurrencies or blockchain or any stock shares, any of that, none of that at all. Yeah, so full disclosure, we're both personally invested in different cryptocurrencies, some of which we talk about on the show. If we talk about a project, it doesn't mean you should buy it. So do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose, and most of all, avoid the fear of missing out. If you're new around here and new to crypto, check out our Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues until episode eight. It will give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. Kids, there's so much, there's a bit of base knowledge that's required to sort of pick up on things. So do feel free to jump back at them. They're good fun. And yeah, use the, the, the timestamps in those episodes and you'll be able to jump to the right point. Yeah, and we've also fixed, there was an issue some people were having in getting all the podcasts into their players. Mm. So it was only bringing in the last 10 episodes. And Joe performed some wizardry behind the <laughs> scenes and uh, that issue has now been fixed. <laughs> so, your podcast player should pull in all of the episodes now by the f- default. I hope. Let's kick off the news with a bit with a survey. Nearly eighty percent of Americans have heard of Bitcoin. Yes, yeah, so this came out of CoinDesk recently, and it said that forty eight percent of millennials would be interested in using cryptocurrency primarily, uh, but there was less interested as the ages increased. Yeah, I think the poll was done by YouGov. Interestingly, only 1,202 people were surveyed. So it's okay. not a big enough number to make a massive sort of – it's not a big enough number to sort of make a judgment and, you know, marry your, wife, your, your fiancé based on. But it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And I think it, it, it does line up with the general feeling around a lot of this new tech, doesn't it? Like the younger people are, are more willing to adopt – Newer technologies, fresher technologies, they seem to be more eager to adopt them. Mm. As people get older, they get more risk-averse. They don't necessarily want to jump on something new. They're also generally got other problems like raising a family, worrying mm. about mm. all the other stuff going on in their job. They don't have time to learn about a lot of this stuff. So. And plus, young people don't really have much money, so they're That's like, right. yeah, I can move to another money. It's, yeah. 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 But yeah. And look, I mean... It, 48% being interested in using pr- cryptocurrency primarily is very different to 48% of people using cryptocurrency mm. primarily. We're not seeing that kind of adoption, mm. anywhere near that kind yeah. of adoption yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Following on from that, there was an interesting Coinbase study. Almost 20% of students own crypto. Oh, again, look at this sample size. You see, this is a problem. I read a headline on Bitcoinist. And it was a survey that was done on 675 US students. Okay. And it's like, right, so they were probably online. Yep. So it probably meant they were already digital, which is, you know, well, obviously everyone's online, but still. They probably found it by, like, searching for Bitcoin or searching for, you know, like, they got targeted for it from those key keywords somehow. Yeah. 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 So maybe it is just a bit of circular bias. But still, I mean, 20% of students now... So that was- what was that 67 students out of that? It is, it is, it is good though. Like it is good to kind of because I think one of the biggest things is 
we get in this echo chamber, you know, like we, we, we're in this crypto world where a lot of the news we're getting is crypto related. A lot of the people we're associating with are in like the crypto world and it becomes quite easy to get the impression in your head that things are a lot bigger than they actually are, mm, you mm, know, because mm. you get that feedback loop, that bias, mm, because mm. everyone you're associating with is using it, talking about it. And so, after a while, you think, well, everyone must be, you know, must be thinking like this. Everyone must be using it. Well, we, yeah. And I mean, even in a smaller way, I mean, yeah, if you, I mean, we both agree on some things like privacy, for example. Mm. And um, we had an interesting chat in Telegram the other week with, um, uh, it was T, TM. TM. Yeah, he yeah. jumped in. Had a really interesting conversation. I came home from work and I was uh, it was drama just reading through it. <laughs> really interesting debate there on privacy and encryption. But mm. um but yeah, no, it's right. Like cuz you and I 100% agree on this sort of yep. stuff. Yep. So, yeah, it's very easy to think, oh, well, everyone must do that. But yeah, yeah no. And it was so interesting hearing his his view too cuz it was quite different and it's probably it's probably more similar to a view I used to have, but you know, changed and um, and yeah, it was great conversation. Like, and he he stuck to his guns, which was really good too. Like, mm. and he really um, t- like dug in and tested mm. some of the things that I was mm. saying. And we had a bit of back and forth. But I mean, at the end of it, everything was fine, which was great. But um, but yeah, it's just it, it's 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 funny that isn't it? Because we like we just assume that everyone wants everyone thinks privacy is good mm. and mm. everyone thinks security is good and encryption is good. <laughs> um, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of people genuinely think that um, law enforcement should be able to break encryption and should be able to get mm. through things, mm. and that they should be trusted. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think there's it's an a- argument for and against. Yeah, no. definitely. And I think it's really good for you too to always be making sure that you're not getting too entrenched in your own view yeah, yeah, and like yeah. be questioning things. Always be questioning if you because the only there's a great quote I heard from from someone I know I really respect him but I've forgotten his name <laughs> but, he, um, but he said the only barrier to learning is the assumption that you know everything mm. which is so true mm. you know and 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 uh, a lot of the we get into a lot of issues or we put our blinkers on with things if we just assume that something's true mm. and we never revisit it we never mm. question it. Mm. Um, and we don't listen to what, what other people are saying either. Like, mm. you know, it's so easy just to want to argue with someone instead of actually like taking what they're saying. Shout on board. and block, shout and block. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think social media helps that either, mm. um, because people will block the people that they, or you know, filter out the people that mm. they don't agree with. Mm. And yeah, you get a bit of a feedback loop. So yeah, shout out to UTM. Fascinating conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Telegram chat. And yeah, mm. as always, always we love a bit of love a bit of discussion on the FOMO Telegram. Yep. Yeah, you're welcome to join at FOMO.show slash Telegram. So next bit of news: uh, Vitalik Buterin, uh, the creator of Ethereum, recently said that uh, he doesn't see the crypto or blockchain space seeing one thousand times growth again like it has to this point. Yeah, at an Ethereum and blockchain conference in Hong Kong, um, Buterin told Bloomberg that the rapid growth of crypto and blockchain industry is now reaching a ceiling and is moving from just being people just being interested to the stage of real applications for economic activity. So yeah, that was an interview in Bloomberg that was cited by Cointelegraph. He said if you talk to the average education per- educated person at this point, they probably have heard of blockchain at least once. There isn't an opportunity for yet another thousand times growth in anything in the space mm. anymore. Mm. Mm. And I, look, I'm seeing something, maybe it's not directly related to this, but it may be what's inspiring some of what he's saying in that a lot of companies, a lot of people looking to implement this stuff 
aren't looking as much at the public networks. There's really a lot of people wanting to implement this on more of a micro level. Mm. So not like completely public, but maybe saying instead of having thousands of people involved in the chain, we Mm. want hundreds, Mm. we want tens, and we want to interact with each other in a trustless way between us. Mm. But we don't want everyone else to be involved and we want to build our own software. And that's more and more, and I'm finding this personally, people seem to be a lot more comfortable with the idea of of smaller um, trustless networks instead of the really large ones. Mm. So that's probably a contributing factor. Mm. Do you reckon there's anything else that's, that would prompt him to be saying that? It's tricky because, yeah, he's he's sort of he's been sitting in the thick of the space, and he's well, he's a pretty good good, good person to see it. But then at the same time, he's right in the heart of the space. Yeah, I don't really know to be honest because uh, at the same time, you can sort of see that um, you can see what he's saying. Um, we are really early still, it's, though, it's aren't just we? Slow, it's going to be slow, steady growth. Yeah, and then by the time it's you know pervasive, if it is pervasive, yeah then, you know, it won't be something that's, you know, really hyped about. It'll just be something that's there. And he, and he is right. Like, a lot of the early growth was driven by speculation and investors mm. and trading mm. and all that kind of... That was a lot of the attractiveness to it. Whereas... And I saw this at the conference last week. People are just focusing more now on building. Focusing mm. more now on building solutions. There's still the trader guys out there looking to make money off this and trade things. But a lot of the energy now is just being focused on building applications, building mm, platforms, mm. building solutions, and just using uh, distributed ledgers as like a, the means of doing that, not mm. necessarily the, as a vehicle for making money. Yeah, it may just be the change in focus. I think that's a good thing anyway. Yeah, because there's, there's plenty of opportunities in plenty of places. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, no, we'll keep watching them all, well, watching as many as we can. And if you see cool opportunities, do let us know. Interesting piece. It's coming come out of CNBC. Software developers are now more valuable to the companies than money. Yes, yeah, so a majority of companies say lack of access to software developers is a bigger threat to success than lack of access to capital. Yeah, so a recent study from the Stripe and Harris poll found that 61% of C-suite executives believe access to developer talent is a threat to the success of their business. Perhaps more surprisingly, as we mark a decade after the financial crisis, this threat was even ranked above capital constraints. And this will probably sound familiar to developers out there because collectively, companies today lose upwards of $300 billion a year paying down technical debt as developers pour time into maintaining legacy systems or dealing with just the ramifications of bad software. Yeah, I mean, how many... If you're a developer out there, you'll probably you've probably been spending half the day <laughs> working on some antiquated code with just comments in it saying "fix this later" or "this is a silly hack that won't last." And look, my heart goes out to you. Like, <laughs> there's plenty more jobs, <laughs> but then you'll get another job and just do the same thing. <laughs> but it was a really interesting article because it just backs up the fact that the biggest emerging industry and the industry that is going to probably continue to have the most growth is the software development industry. Because wasn't it Bill Gates who said software software was going to eat the world or something mm. like that? Mm. It's and it's it. only doubling down. I mean, I've been reading this book called uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Oh, amazing book. If you haven't bought, if you haven't read Zero to One by Peter Thiel, put it at the top of your Amazon wish list, buy it. I bought it for a friend for his birthday. And he, if you, if you need to read this book, it's brilliant. It's yep. basically about why it's essential to be in a monopoly. Yep. 
Anyway, yeah, keep going. Yeah, so. well, no, it's, well, it's, that's exactly right. Yeah, like, I'm so glad you're reading. I, I didn't know you were reading that. Oh, book, mate, it's I've, amazing. Yeah, it is so good. Like I'm about halfway through. I actually had to stop. I wanted to read it in one hit, mm. but I always have to force myself to stop so I can like digest mm. what I've been reading because mm. it's just like it is a brilliant book. So Peter Thiel is the founder of PayPal mm. and uh, Palantir, the massive. Sp- Software company that's data analysis company that's doing a bunch of work for shady three letter organizations. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, yeah, and and so he's done some crazy things. But he he says in this book that real innovation is zero to one, and then anything that comes after is like one to n, right. which essentially means that uh, the true innovators will go will take something and completely change it, make something completely new. And then anything else that comes after that in that vein is just improving mm. upon that upon mm. that thing. And he was talking, it was really interesting the way he says in the book, he talks about um, the developments up till like the late 20th century. And he says, during like the 1800s and 1900s, mm. uh, everything was moving at a breakneck pace, like technological advancement. And so many different industries were advancing in different ways. Mm. But- as we've come into like the late 1900s and early 2000s, technology has kind of stalled and most areas aren't really developing except in the area of computing and AI, like mm-hmm. to the level that were before. Most yeah. of the zero to one innovations, except in, with the exception being someone like um, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. most of the zero to one innovations are, um, are in, the, in the tech world. And he talks about the fact that it's, it's almost being double. People are almost doubling down on this. And they're, they're putting more and more money into tech companies mm. because other industries that are only they might only see like a five or ten percent growth, mm. but tech companies mm. have the potential. They're not expensive like most other types of companies. They can you can run run with a couple of developers at mm. the beginning, and you can bootstrap yourself up really quick. And if it's a good idea, you can make a lot of money very quickly. Because usually, what happened with Instagram? Admittedly, I did not see that being worth a billion at the time because I was an idiot. Um, but yeah, they had what thirteen employees when they sold to Facebook for how many billion? Yeah, and that, I mean that was on um, Masters of Scale recently. Yeah. Had Instagram. He on. was saying we shouldn't have had that. Many, <laughs> no, no. We shouldn't have had that few staff. But. Yeah. Well, and he was talking about the fact that uh, when Facebook bought them out, the whole thing was held together with like tape and oh yeah, like and, and dreams. You know, the first like, was, thing they were doing was stability, stabilizing <laughs> it. Yeah, mm. yeah, but but that was the thing. They were a billion dollar company and had thirteen employees. You know, because. That that's what's happening in tech. So, if you want to talk about an area where more and more money is being poured into, and all the innovation is happening, mm. it's it's the area of computers and yeah. tech. And yeah. so, developers, if anything, are becoming more and more sought after, and good developers being sought after. And I know for a fact in the blockchain sphere, no one can find any developers. <laughs> like it is so tough. Yeah, yeah. There's more clogged than the Ethereum network. Those yeah, that's right. Blocks. Yeah. And so developers can pretty much name their price. Wow. And they can just choose to do what whatever good developers can just choose to do whatever projects they want. And uh, there's not really many other industries where you can say that. You know. So yeah, this article is really interesting because it, it said a lot of what I'm sure a lot of companies are dealing with at the moment. Someone needs to just go into schools and give presentations every week, being like, "Look, become a developer, and all of your class you will drive past your house, your classmates in mm. like." A- 
Bugatti or something. Yeah, well, mate, I'm, I know for a fact, like my kids, when we have kids, I'm going to teach them how to program nice. the moment they can type, you know, <laughs> because you see what some of the – I was listening recently. I listened to a lot of like open source Linux podcasts and things yeah. like that, and they were talking about recently at one of their conferences they had someone from the Raspberry Pi project come in wow. and do like a kids programming session mm-hmm. and they were just talking about the kind of stuff that these kids were coming up with because – you forget, but when you're a kid, your imagination is like you—you you can imagine so many things. You're not limited. That's right, and because no one's told you you can't do things, mm. and then also your capacity for learning is incredibly high. That's why, like mm. kids, the best time to teach someone a foreign language is when they're like four or five mm. or six, because their minds are so pliable; they can take so much in. It's when, like, their brains, like. Uh, anatomically and biologically are geared for learning. They're just like a sponge at that age. So, if you can teach them how to use computers from an early age, um, yeah, the sky's the limit, man. Mm. You know, I wish I'd learn how to program instead of playing games all the time. I wish I'd learn how to like make games when I was young. Yeah, Masters of Scale, that Instagram founder podcast Really worth listening to. We'll mm. stick the link in the show notes. Just that's a great podcast. And following on from this um, investment talk, fintech investments have reached an all-time high in the second quarter of 2018. Yeah. So in Q2 of this year, fintech startups raked in a total of 19 billion in funding, pushing the overall category to well north of 100 billion in total funding raised. And of all the startup markets that, that attract, and uh, this is from Forrester, they use a, a, a partner called Venture Scanner to track their investments and the markets. The cumulative total is second only to transportation tech, which is $132 billion. Wow. So, it's literally the second most funded industry in the world. And speaking of fintech, I mean, this is a, this is a very small piece, but it's really interesting. So... Um, Binance, which is an eight-month-old startup with 200 employees, their profits rival NASDAQ, but with only 4% (laughs) of the star. So, a comparison uploaded to Twitter by Daniel Capital, Managing Director at Dovey One, on August the 30th, shows that for that period, Binance pulled in $200 million against NASDAQ's $209 million. So, this, she adds, comes from an eight-month-old startup with 200 employees against 47-year-old NASDAQ, NASDAQ's 4,500 and Deutsche Bank's 100,000 having existed since 1870. It's just insane. Uh, and you've got a little graphic here, mate. Um, oh, that's like a, that's just a screenshot of the tweet. Mm. I think she'd originally compared them to Deutsche Bank. And someone said, oh, it's unfair to compare them because it's an exchange versus a bank. So she put it up against Nap- uh, up against NASDAQ. And, um, yeah, she's like, now it's apple to apple, I suppose. <laughs> Yikes. And it's just incredible because, I mean, that's what we were just talking about. You know, these these smaller, leaner companies who uh, come on to, some, to, to a, a zero, almost a zero to one idea. I mean, you look at uh, Binance arguably has um, is just implementing standing on the shoulders of giants and implementing mm. what was already there but they've done it so well mm. you know they did it I remember when Binance first started it was only like it was only like August or September last year like it's barely been around for 12 months I feel like in any kind of meaningful way mm. and uh, and they've they've already reached when Na- the profit that NASDAQ are making Mate, the Australian government is partnering with IBM and legal experts to build smart, a smart contracts platform. 
Yeah, so this is um this was a really interesting one that came out I think last week and it, it says this and this is from Cointelegraph. It says the initiative has been dubbed the Australian National Blockchain or ANB and will pool the tech, scientific and legal expertise of three partners to create a nationwide, legally compliant, whatever that means, blockchain infrastructure for the digital economy. As the press release outlines The ANB will enable organizations to digitally manage the life cycle of a contract not just from negotiation to signing, but also continuing over the term of the agreement with transparency and permissioned-based access amongst parties in the network. Yeah, so at a more granular level, the release states that the platform's smart legal contracts, SLCs, uh, will be designed to contain smart clauses that can interact with external data sources such as IoT device data and will self-execute to trigger predetermined business processes and events as soon as a given contract condition is met. Mm. So it's what likely that people will build in sort of, you know, item like stuff into zero their, you know, mm. account system. Mm. So we've received money, so then execute the next part of the The big question I've got for this is why do they need a blockchain to do this? Because they're talking about integrating with things like Zero and thing and they're saying it's gonna be our platform, IBM's platform. And they're saying it's an Australian national blockchain. Like why can blockchain not be cross border? I'm well, sorry. Well it's kind of it's it's actually it's worse than that in a way because it's 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 like a step backwards. It's like saying, Well, there's this great global blockchain, right? But let's just build one that's local to us. Look, you've heard of Ethereum. That's nothing. <laughs> We've so, got the Australian national blockchain. So, so we're going to reduce the user pool. We're going to take away like the benefits of global financial payments. Nah. We're going to gate it to Australia. I mean, it's literally just the Australian finance system. That's, global don't need it. It, it, we, <laughs> it just doesn't need a blockchain. And I even saw them say in one of their other releases, because I... I went to a few... The moment I saw this, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I went to a few other releases, looked on their websites. They say they want it to be like the backbone of the Australian economy, you know. Um, <laughs> really all I see, and and look, I may be wrong about this, but I just see IBM wanting to make a play to mm. to get everyone on their cloud-based system. Because this will... I'm almost certain this will be run on IBM's, you know, their version of Microsoft Azure mm. or whatever. They'll have all their own proprietary tech, and they'll say, you know, to, to play play on this blockchain, you've got to create an account with us and log into that. And then, you know, then you can have some functionality that we'll give you based on modules. I don't know, man. I'm, mm. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be th- for this to be like a completely open source, open initiative. But um, do you know what? I can admit I was wrong on... The iPad. I thought the iPad was a pointless answer to a question <laughs> no one was asking. Yeah. I thought Instagram was stupid that it sold for five billion. I thought it was ridiculous that Facebook floated. Yep. All of those things. Very happy to be wrong. So in the same way, um, you know, I could well be wrong on this, yeah. but at the same time, IBM just don't care. Like th- about this, they don't care because they're just like it's it's a dollar. Sign. It's a buzzword for them. It's they're making money off it. Yeah. They don't care what you could pay them for anything. Yeah, you could make pay them to make a national, you know, sewage network. They yep. do it. Yep, yep. <laughs> if you pay them, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they've just they re- they released that like billion dollar thing they're doing for the government, Australian government, just this year. And you look into it, and it was just a whole bunch of marketing and faff, mm. and like I just, it doesn't seem like. I mean, you saw we saw what they did with the census. You know, the census that was held here in Australia last year or the year before. I think it was the year before. It was done by IBM. It cost all this money, and it was an absolute failure. Like, they everyone logged in to do their census, and the whole thing crashed. 
and it took them like a good week to get everything going again. So, I, look, I, I'm happy to be wrong. I mean, I, and there's a law firm partnering with this. And I mean, I think they're just jumping on because they want smart legal contracts. But I still don't see the benefit of this on their private proprietary tech just as opposed to a, pr- a public network. Mm, just open source it. Let's help the whole planet yep. and not just Australia. Yeah. You know, we've got 26 minutes. Let's just open it up. Anyway, <laughs> this next piece you posted and it looks so cool. It's really cool. So, th- this is so this was out of Digital Trends and it was talking about the first autonomous sailboat successfully crossed the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. And so, you've really got to go to the article. The link's in the show notes. Um, you've really got to go to the article to get the full idea of what's actually going on here. So, it's a, it's a regular-looking sailboat and there's just all these solar panels on the deck, essentially. Wow. There's no person on it, so there's no living quarters or anything. It's just got mm-hmm. like a computer system underneath. And uh, in big letters on the sailboat, it says... Keep clear. And they actually say that the, the software they use can kind of detect boats from a way away and try and stay as far away from them as possible wow. because they're not sure. But the uh, the article, this is from the article. The article says the first unmanned and autonomous sailboat has successfully crossed the Atlantic Ocean, completing the journey between Newfoundland, Canada and Ireland. The 1,800-mile journey took two and a half months and it was part of the microtransit challenge for robotic boats and bolsters the possibility of unmanned boats being used for long-haul missions. Yeah, so this boat actually cost... Um, these sailboy ships cost $175,000 each. And yeah, powered by those solar panels, send constant GPS data, but really, really cool stuff. Yeah, and we covered... Um, I think we covered about three months ago the autonomous train which they were trialling in Western Australia. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was able to successfully complete, like, a big journey between one station and another mm-hmm. with no human piloting whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But they still, from what I understand, they still had pilots mm-hmm. within the train. Mm-hmm. But this was a, a boat that they essentially just put the, um, the driving unit in, programmed it, and uh, made sure they had, like, a remote satellite connection to it. But then they just sent it on its way. Mm-hmm. It just launched itself from the dock it travelled all the way across the Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean from the US and Canada over to Ireland mm. and uh, it, it completed it successfully, which means that it opens up some huge possibilities because if this tech can be perfected and it, it's, it's already kind of there, if they've, if they've done it with a little sailboat, you could feasibly begin doing it with, with bigger boats mm. and you look at something like a cargo transport, you know, which, which requires a lot of people to crew it and people essentially have to just stay in the sea for months on end, you know, just living on these boats, feasibly you could begin to say, well, if we can do it with a small sailboat, why can't we do it with a big cargo ship? Mm, Or why can't we do it with a cruise liner, you know? But then who do you sue when the cruise liner beaches? That's right. No, that's not, not, we don't need that on our show. But it's just amazing, you know, like Mm. every time you read one of these articles, it's just... A new way of automating you hadn't even thought of. Mm. Wait, did you watch that Elon Musk Joe Rogan interview? I did. So I, I just finished. I didn't watch it. I've been listening to it oh, um, yeah. on the podcast, and I just finished it today, and it was so good, man. Like, I feel like if there's one interview you really need to listen to this month, it's probably that one. Mm. Just simply mm. because you don't get that kind of insight. It's essentially like a three-hour interview mm. with Elon Musk, and you just don't get that kind of insight into someone who's 
that prodigious very often mm. and it was really really well done interview did you listen to it yeah i've listened to the first three quarters and i haven't finished it but yep. um oh absolutely fascinating just hearing his yeah you mentioned just earlier like the way that every question he's asked he's he thinks about his answer and he, mm. he thinks before he speaks and he's yeah the, the real controversy of the article was you know something to do with you know uh, uh, magic, him smoking yeah weed him smoking weed yeah. but the actual interview i think yeah he he then i think he went on to say that it was you know, completely you know, turns you unproductive and it's a waste of time in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, and he said he never. He said he never does it. He's like, I don't actually really do it, and you know, I don't like doing it. Yeah, so. but yeah, watching his, what, listening to his answers. I mean, he talks when he's talking about AI, and he's he's like, yeah, I warn people about AI, and this was, you know, mm. I've been warning them about it for ages. But his, the way that he sort of advanced where AI goes to in his head where he's talking about, you know, when people merge minds with yeah, AI. Like neural shunts and all sorts of things. It's absolutely yeah. insane and yeah. really just fascinating to hit, listen to. And just from how, how Joe Rogan's just like, you are insane. Like, you're not a normal human. Yeah. Like, do you realize that you're not a normal person? Yeah, yeah. And he asked him like four or five times, how do you... How do you do it? Because all throughout the interview, Elon will just throw out these like throwaways about, oh, yeah, we developed this thing. And Joe Rogan will just sit there and be like, do you realize no one does that? Like no one says that, oh, we just developed a like, it was like we developed a tile for a roof that you can essentially, it looks like normal tiling but it's completely solar panels. So they had to develop it in such a way that the sunlight could come in. But then when it was reflected, it reflected the light in such a way that it looked like a normal tile. Mm. So they've got all these different styles of tiles. And he was like, oh, yeah, we just developed that, you know, one weekend. or So I don't know. Like it was just, mm. he didn't spend that much, that long doing it. But essentially it meant that you could turn your whole roof into a one big solar panel. Mm. And... He just, yeah, he just has all these different things that he's doing. Yeah, and he, he was asked like, "Oh, how did you plan this? You know, this this um, massive boring company tunnel that's being dug?" And they were like, like "Joe Rogan's like, how did you do that?" He was like, "Oh, I just got permission to dig a dig a hole, so I dug a hole and dug a hole." You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, we we don't want to spoil the interview too much, but it's really we'll, we'll put the link in the show note of the YouTube video, and um, and for those of you who like prefer listening to audio, you can always look up Joe Rogan in your podcast app of choice but really worth a listen i was pretty excited when when joe came here tonight i was like mate have you listened to the elon musk interview (laughs) (laughs) for once you are more excited about an elon Musk. (laughs) yeah Yeah. just to get an insight into um how someone like that lives you know it's just really cool so wherever you're joining us from it's a pleasure having you here why not drop into our telegram channel and say hello FOMO.show slash telegram. When you're in Sydney at the Blockchain Investment Summit, you had a chance to sit down with Craig Ritchie of Hashrush. Now, we mentioned it in our introduction. Hashrush are building a real-time strategy game, first and foremost, but it's built on this crypto economy. Mm. What did you guys chat about? What was it like? It was really good. So, I actually saw him present at the conference first, and I was in the audience, and I nearly didn't go because I just... I've been to a num- I've been to a number of other things and 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 I thought oh oh it's just a it sounds just like someone's cashing in on the blockchain game thing mm. I'm not, you know then I sat in the audience and 
I was really impressed. And the more I listened to them, the more I was like, oh, we've got to interview this guy. Like, uh, I've got to interview this guy. So, so we pulled him aside afterwards and, and, uh, and, and Justin, who was from the Decentralized podcast, was there as well and we were doing the interviews together. Um, and so, we pulled him aside and said, mate, do you want to go have an interview? And, and we found a little coffee booth, uh, right. like a, a little booth in the coffee shop nearby. So, the interview will probably have some ambience in it. But uh, nice, we just nice. essentially, you know, which sets the scene. It's good. Um, <laughs> but we basically just discussed what he'd done beforehand, mm. how, we'd, how we'd come about working at the game, what the game does, and then what they're looking at for the future. And it was a really good conversation. Um, we'll, we'll play the interview now and, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Matt Shearing here at the Crypto Investment and ICO Summit 2018 in Sydney. I'm here with uh, Justin Hayes as well, who's, who's, who's interviewing too. And we're here with Craig Ritchie from Hashrush. How you doing, Craig? Hey, how's it going? Thanks a lot for having me on. Not a problem. So we've just come out of a, a session, uh, which we heard a little bit about the project that, that you guys are doing. And I, I got to admit, I, I was leaning forward in my seat the whole time. It was really fascinating. You were building a, essentially a, a game, just like any other PC game out there, but the backbone of that game is essentially bankrolled by cryptocurrency, which is a really, really interesting concept. So we just wanted to have you on and talk a little bit about uh, what your inspiration was for it and uh, what the journey's been like so far and, uh, and, and a little about the game, of course, and then where things are going to go in the future. So first of all, could you just talk to us a little bit about what brought you uh, to, to the cryptocurrency scene in particular and then how the concept for the game originated? Cool. All right, so um, as you can hear, I'm not Australian. I'm uh, originally from South Africa. I was working for the last little while in, in the UK, and then my wife got relocated uh, by Cotton On, actually. And I used to be working in the games industry for quite a while. I worked with CCP Games, you may know from yeah. EVE Online and yep. EVE Valkyrie and you know, titles like that. Uh, and then with the relocation, I just went back to uh, you know, freelance journalism because that's what I did for about you know, almost 20 years before. And discovered Steemit, and you know, I thought, what a fantastic concept! Great, uh, you know, blog. What they're doing for blogging and social media is awesome. Uh, having a look at a few projects, and a friend of mine started saying, "Hey, you, you know, you got to get into crypto mining. You got to buy some graphics cards, set up a rig." And I was like, "You know, this sounds a bit weird." And I put it off for a few months until I saw, uh, you know, there's actually something here. Like a lot of people talking about it, you know. And I, I bought a couple of GPUs and set up a little rig. And I think this is interesting. And and just at the same time as when I was really, you know, posting quite a bit on Steemit and looking at like interesting projects. Oh, some people are like combining games and crypto. Like how, how's this happening? I found uh, a project called Hashrush, which was really just um, beginning. And it was uh, two friends in. Uh, Latvia actually that you know had this great idea what if we could combine a real-time strategy game with uh, you know cryptocurrency mining and people could be uh, paid out and say in accordance with how large their colony is or you know how many units they've got and that kind of thing but you know they were still working on exactly how the game mechanics would work but I think yeah, this sounds really interesting uh, and I had a background in uh, games journalism before I got into games marketing so I was, you know let me post a bit on, on Steemit and make a little extra money on the side and called up these guys and you know basically did an interview and I started like asking them a whole bunch of questions about the game and everything and we had a really good talk and you know some of the stuff wasn't fully developed and some of the stuff was like amazing concepts and stuff and I published uh, an interview and then 
a few days later, I got a message from them saying like, hey, how'd you like to work with us? Because we, you know, we had such a good call and you asked us a whole lot of questions and just like, you know, the stuff that you're asking us about weren't necessarily able to answer as much as we'd like and maybe you could help us out with that because they, you know, saw the LinkedIn profile, my background and so on and, you know, just joined up with these guys and, um, you know, it's been pretty good ride since then. I think today is actually one year since I joined the project exactly, the 7th of September last year, so. Right, so that, that was what I was about to ask, how long, how long ago was that? So that, so you've been involved with Hashrush for a year now um, and it sounds like you got involved right at the very beginning. So what, what happened in those first few months with Hashrush? Okay, so... Uh, the team had, you know, the Chris and Nathan, the two founders, they had this great idea. They got on Upwork, you know, self-funded by, by Chris, this, now the CEO and co-founder. He found a game designer producer who's, um, was actually worked on The Witcher, the original Witcher RPG. And he, you know, helped come up with a lot of the, the concepts and the story and, and that kind of thing, along with Nathan, who's the creative director. Uh, you know, he's a big fan of the Blizzard games, big fan of StarCraft and, you know, those titles that, you know, I'm sure you followers might be familiar with if they're gamers. Um, they found a couple of incredibly talented artists on Upwork as well. Uh, Nick and Dendy who have been doing you know, basically all of the concepts, all of the promotional artwork and everything that you've seen of the game for the last year or so. So yeah, it was basically just getting the concept together. The guys did a bit of a roadshow. They got some funding, mm. uh, particularly in Japan. Like I think that the art style just really resonated with the Japanese audience and people were, were really interested there. And yeah. um, you know, that, that helped back uh, this project and a large amount of our funding came from Japan. And it's the same reason that we you know, fully localized in English and Japanese all the way. The team have hired a Romanian development studio called Tractor Set Go. They're basically a studio for hire. They will take the design docs and work closely with you to actually, you know, bring the ideas and the concepts to life. So they, even though they, you know, they're not physically located, we you know, fully distributed team. I mean, Nick and Dendi, like I said, Nick was in Malaysia, Dendi's in Indonesia, the founders are in um, Latvia, our community managers in Amsterdam, like everyone's all, I mean, I'm down near Melbourne, our CFO is in California, so everyone's all over the place. Decentralized. It's fully decentralized, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so Tractors at Go have been, you know, really hard at work since uh, basically late last year. We released a pre-alpha, you know, we basically said to all ICO investors, you know, join in, we'll show you the progress of the game around Christmas last year, which, you know, which we executed on. Uh, we just went live with an alpha at the end of July. Uh, we were going to open it up to a thousand people just because small team, small company, you can't support big numbers. But we blasted through the signups and that so quickly. We we're like, now let's let's kind of up the team to meet the demand. So we doubled it to two thousand, and we actually absolutely like properly had to cap it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's it's been a, it's been like a really uh, great reaction so far. And at the end of September, twenty eighth of September, we we're releasing our closed beta which is 10,000 players. Uh, we've got $30,000 of Ethereum like rewards to test out the reward pool. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit more then. So, so the premise of Hashrush itself, could you explain that in, in a nutshell for the listeners? So Hashrush is a sort of sci-fi fantasy RTS set in the you know, fictional Humane galaxy. Uh, everyone has a, a planet that they build up a little colony on. And there's narrative, like there's a whole storyline, there's rich lore as well, there's quests to complete. And there's also, um, you know, there's crystal mines, and, uh, sorry, crystal veins that are all around the planet. And you have to like send out your um, little characters to mine them. And all the while, you know, you're under threat from monsters that are going to come steal your crypto crystals. You know, it's kind of sticking the whole way with the, the, the crypto thing. You know, there's mining and there's, you know, we're also working in ways to have... Um, 
staking, but you know I can get to that later. So basically, you 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 play the game, you build up your colony, you know you expand like in any other RTS really, yep. and you ac accumulate crypto crystals. And based on how many crypto crystals you accumulate from you know completing quests, from mining them from the the veins around the planet, and also from uh, defeating enemies, you will acquire say a fixed amount by the end of let's call the season a month. At the end of the season, you will be somewhere on the leaderboard, and if you make it to the top three sort of rankings, which you know they might be a hundred of hundred people that make into the top three depending on where you place you'll get an actual ethereum payout because we've got a mining farm uh, in eastern europe where obviously electricity is a lot cheaper and so on they'll be you know gradually growing the uh, the hash rate buying more gpu sort of reinvesting uh some of the revenue from the game because we've got a sustainability model with the mining where you know part of the mining that's used for the payouts but the payouts also um, you know will be reinvested and then the game is monetized through a premium upgrade which gives you additional features um, there's you know, in-game things you can buy like skins and other customization options that kind of thing and again part of that revenue feeds back into the mining farm so when new players join the game the amount of ethereum mined the um, the size of that pool always increases mm -hmm. so if somebody leaves the game we've already invested invested in physical hardware uh, the hash rate doesn't go down when someone leaves so there's always a larger amount of ethereum being offered so that the incentive is always there to you know keep existing players and uh, att attract new players so essentially what you're building then is you're building a game where the economy is backed by some some real world value and while players are playing in this game and and they're earning they're earning rushcoin that rush coin is essentially backed by some, some uh, by Ethereum as well behind the scenes, which is being mined and that's being injected back into the economy as well. So exactly right, rush coin. It's an ERC twenty token. It's the in-game currency, just like you'd find in any other, you know, video game or, on, or MMO or something like that. The current price of rush coins about forty cents, um, and it has real, it has a real dollar value. You know, we've already partnered with exchanges. We're going to be on decentralized exchanges as well, so people can take their rush coin out. You can also, you know, it's not just from the mining. The mining we're paying out in Ethereum. You know, we're not going to be paying people in rush coin. We want to give them a non-proprietary cryptocurrency. We don't want to give them tokens because you know you could just mint more tokens and throw them and say that that's a reward like no we're going to give you something that that's no matter how you look at it it's got value completely outside of the game as well right. so let's say you get some items in the game you you craft you know a card that might give you faster mining for 30 minutes whatever you might be a grinder who wants to take those onto say a third third-party marketplace and sell those for Rushcoin or Ethereum or whatever else. So you can do, you know, your in-game activity there where there's examples from World of Warcraft where people used to farm gold by like fishing or doing mm. whatever repetitive tasks. Mm. In Hashrush, you know, you don't have to find that person on eBay who's going to buy your gold and then meet them in a tavern and trust them that they're going to actually give you the gold if you've paid them, you know, that kind of thing. We just facilitate that all and, you know, if you want to add value by stimulating the in-game economy or creating items or crafting or whatever or if you just want to straight go after the mining rewards we, we make it all possible so, mm. so it's, it's essentially built in at the at, at the base layer yeah. in the game yeah i mean it's totally designed that way um you know it's all fully open it's all fully facilitated as well um we you know there's some things that are done on a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace mm. within the game our uh, blockchain devs are coming up with our own scalability solution called the rush network mm. which allows gasless peer-to-peer -peer transfers so even though it's like erc 721s or erc20s you don't have to pay gas to send them across like we will handle that on a on a second layer solution like our own sort of side chain and then you know, those will get written to the ethereum blockchain you know with whatever cadence makes sense yeah and that's one of the one of the big 
questions I had when I was listening. It, how have you found dealing with the Ethereum network and trying to build that as the backbone of your game? Well, I mean, myself, I'm not a coder, I'm not a dev, yeah. I'm not the most technical person, but you know, I speak to our devs all the time. Um, and you know, one of the things I was talking about earlier was we only use it where it makes sense. We're not trying to do something that's better built on you know, a traditional server or um, you know, a centralized server. Mm. If that's the best solution, we're going to run with that. Yeah. So we really like what, um, you know, what blockchain enables in terms of player ownership of items yeah. and you know, how you can freely transfer your tokens around, your tokenized items, that kind of thing. Uh, how it enables like nothing before to actually pay people out for for playing you know yeah. sharing that revenue which traditionally has always been great for publishers but not so great for players yeah. now we're kind of evening that out yeah um so yeah it's you know something i'd, I'd way rather point towards a dev who could t talk about yeah. some of the challenges that have been faced yeah. but i do know that it's like hey if blockchain is not the best solution we're not going to go for hey let's see if there's any pr buzz we can get for saying we're doing x on blockchain when any you know smart dev knows well why would you do that when you know, whatever AWS a does it a thousand times yeah. better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's one of the big issues with games currently at the moment, isn't it? Is that these players will be competing for all and, and earning all these items within the game, but at the end of the day, the, the publisher really still retains complete ownership of those items, and there's no real fungibility yeah. from their end for those items. And mm. so, that's essentially one of the, the biggest differences with Hash Rush, isn't it? Is that these items that that are that are earned and the, and the, the rewards yeah. from the players they correspond to a blockchain entry somewhere, yes, which is attributed to them and their account. Yeah, exactly right. You know, we, we're really excited um, for what particularly ERC-721s enable. Um, and we've been talking to a bunch of other devs, you know, people making really, really cool projects that, you know, there's sort of a, a I don't want to say cross-pollination, but like there's cross-game functionality where a sword in hash rush can be like a car in your game and mm. you know we can move them across and you can trace the ownership and maybe some big youtube influencer has owned this exact token at some point in the past and you know its value goes up or it's like having you know, an autograph on yeah, it isn't exactly, it yeah exactly like having an autograph or i mean you know my uh, previous employer was CCP Games. They used to have the. They got famous for these massive space battles that would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, of spaceships that were getting destroyed in the game. Now, let's say you built a token, a tokenized item during one of these massive battles that'll sort of be commemorative as well. Like th these are all things that uh, that other you know older tech that is just like it's locked to your game account and you know maybe you can sell it to someone via the Steam marketplace or a hat on Team Fortress or something. Uh, but this this is a thing that's genuinely new. You know, it's not a difference in degree; it's a difference of kind, and that's that's what we're excited about. Yeah, and 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 that's one of the things that really excited me when I was hearing you talk and watching the presentation was that the premise of Hash Rush essentially seems to be that you are um, you're building a great game first of all, and that's still, from what I understand, your your, your foremost motivation. But Absolutely. underneath that, it's almost like you're. It's, I don't really want to say tricking, but it's almost like that tricking people into using cryptocurrencies and beginning to engage in this new form of digital exchange without even realize, realizing they're doing it. Is that is that an accurate? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say there's there's a bit of truth to that because you're not going to get people excited about blockchain tech. You know, the people that are excited are developers and investors looking for a big opportunity. You know, mm. uh, average person on the street is more thinking about like you know, what's in it for me? Where's, where's the fun? Or like, you know, how does this make my life better? And if we're going to say, oh man, you, you know, we've got this great game, but you've got to install MetaMask and write down a private key and like 100 word 
phrase to you know recover your account and you know also we need your passport and a photo and your like recent utility bill then then we're going to have the most fun game for you we're like no let's uh let's just get people in we'll have custodial wallets you know you have to sacrifice uh, security for usability that's just a, a thing i say all the time about the blockchain world and cryptocurrency in general like like yes there's uh, security features and you know everything that blockchain offers like that's fantastic and it's unprecedented but those same things that make it so awesome are also stumbling blocks to mass adoption so we're thinking well look why don't we just do all that stuff like yes sure you'll absolutely be able to tear us apart if you're a if you're a hardcore like crypto maximalist, you're like, oh, but that's not the spirit of crypto, and that's not the spirit, you know. But sure, it's not. But we fully educate people on, hey, this isn't secure. You know, create your own wallet like this, and then you can take your Hashrush uh, items and your Rush coin out, and your Ethereum payouts. You can send them to yourself. You know, here's the advantages. Like we'll do that when people need to know it. But we are not saying, you know, here's the ten steps you need to do before you can like start playing and having fun. So let's talk a little bit about user experience then, because that's that's one thing I think that there's, the space in general is lacking, and it seems like you guys have made a concerted effort to improve that. Mm. Let's say I'm a new user and I've I've just discovered Hash Rush and I want to get on, um, and let's say the game's out of closed beta. What would my first day on Hash Rush look like for me as a new user? Sure. Well, you you know you'd log in, you'd create an account on the website just with any other. Um, game or you know online account download the client you know for now it's all being done completely independently although we are working with uh, an emerging uh, digital distribution platform called robot cash they're a competitor to steam so just depending on the time that we come out of closed beta and robot cash has us on board you might just be downloading it through through their interface launch the game just like you're familiar with any other if you played any other pc games um, you know, the game begins and you f- see yourself sort of looking out over this planet and a tutorial begins that'll, you know, hey, build, you know, you're going to need to build this building and you need to recruit these units and it starts off like a game and you can probably play for hours before you encounter your first sort of crypto element. You know, maybe if you go straight to the marketplace and I like, quickly try to get something, but the you know the new the new player experience is not being designed to sort of funnel people straight to a marketplace or anything like that it's more like hey like here's the fun of the game let's send you on a quest like let's you know develop some of the story for you and actually like get you interested in caring about this world and slowly like after a little bit you might get attacked by wave of monsters or something like that and you've got to defend yourself and sort of rebuild and and then you begin to understand okay so i've got to mine the crystals and i've got to get my resources together to, to build up my forces to protect myself from the the monsters and then repeat that game loop go on some quests and just kind of grow it from there so it, it's it's very much just like hey here's a video game and oh these underlying workings cool like we'll teach you more about those if you want to know them mm. and those are the crypto elements okay and it's a, it's a multiplayer game massively multiplayer game isn't well it? it's currently in alpha and beta it's just one person per map we don't have uh, pvp the intricacies of going pvp and you know working with uh, payouts starts to become incredibly tricky the the incentives of people to like just come in and blast newcomers uh that's just like really hard so um we want to fine-tune that all properly before we launch any way that another person can interfere with your potential earnings because that will be a motivator. Like, yes, we want the game to be fun enough that people will play it regardless of payouts, but, you know, let's be pragmatic about it. People are interested in the payouts. You know, it's a hook. Um, so for the first while, it's going to be PvE with uh, payouts according to where you stack on a leaderboard. We're building, as I think, as a first bridging step, there will be 
uh, voluntary planets where two of you can go to and then there you can fight it out but it won't be like somebody's on your planet and they're attacking your force you know they can spend some money buy an army and completely nerf you and take all of you you know that's just not not what we're after although a a you know concerted effort is being put in to design a you know fun competitive fair uh, pvp experience for later next year great great brilliant Okay, I just want to pivot a little bit and talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the economy because before we, we turned the mics on, we were talking a little bit about the fact that what, what Steam, which is a, for, for those of you who don't know who are mm. listening, Steam is a social media platform which is backed by a cryptocurrency and uh, every like, every post is an action on the blockchain and you can get paid in Steam dollars. And we were talking a little bit about how this may actually allow people to log in, play the game in, say, Africa or South America somewhere, and uh, begin playing the game and, and, and earning a, a real crypto asset or something that's worth, worth real money, you know, and, and may actually have a tangible benefit to them. Could you talk a little bit more about, about that element of the, of the game? Okay, sure. So one of the big movers of games is being on mobile, especially in the developing world. Like the prevalence of smartphones is just like going up and up and up. And so, you know, sure, maybe right now, not every smartphone can play the top games out there, but the tech moves so fast that games that are designed in Unity, which is incredibly portable, uh, you know, game dev, you know, the engines that are built in Unity, things like uh, Hearthstone's a good example, how very seamless it is to go from desktop to mobile and so on. Um, you know, you can play these games in, you know, even not the most high-end phones, like they just run. And that, that's kind of what we have in mind, is if you offer, say... You know, obviously the price of Ethereum fluxes and as we know it's just taken a huge dip but some of our early modelings you know, some of the top tier players could let's say earn around 100 just over $100 uh, in a season and that's you know, a nice little bit of pocket money maybe in Australia or the United States or the UK uh, it's a considerable amount of money in certain parts of the world so maybe you're not topping the leaderboards uh, but you bring you know some guy in, say, Zimbabwe, which is actually seeing a great uh, uh, increase in the amount of people that are using cryptocurrency uh, simply because their local currency has just you know, completely been destroyed, basically. Uh, countries like that where, you know, there is already this understanding of an alternative way of, of doing, you know, I don't say do business, but an alternative way of, like, transferring cash, really, digital cash. Um, he could be playing the game and maybe he does well and he makes a bit of money that's actually significant or he grinds out items and sells them for uh, you know a token that can easily be exchanged for ethereum and you know you can buy something with that so you know depending on where we put the ceiling on you know the fidelity of the game really the graphics quality and whatever is going to be a barrier to the base uh, phone or mobile that you can actually install the game and run with any kind of uh, good experience on but you know we, we want to penetrate those areas as much as possible um, and hopefully just like have this this fun thing where people can genuinely profit because if you've got uh, a revenue uh, a, yeah I mean I could say a revenue generating plan like we do where Let's say I sell something to you on the player-to-player -player marketplace, and we take like a one. The company will take a one percent tax on that from the buyer, and a one percent tax from the seller. Uh, all of that is, you know, it's obviously goes into paying the bills and all that kind of thing. But it also is fed back into the mining pool, and this is the thing. So that the more activity there is in the game, the more that you know everyone around the world is doing something to to 
get their own little bit of value out of the game. We keep building the mining farm. We keep adding the incentive for the people at the top. We keep bringing in new players. And everyone is stimulating the economy so you could actually make money from small actions like getting likes, like comments on Steam. Could be... Um, you know, crafting a card and selling it on the third-party marketplace or, you know, you're on a planet that has a lot of wood and I'm on a planet that has a lot of stone and we trade a little bit uh, and you make, you know, enough money to go and buy a meal. Like, yeah. that. that's how we see this going. Brilliant, brilliant. In your, in, in your presentation just before, you mentioned the, uh, the team that you guys have built and the fact that not only your team, but your advisors were, a lot of them were veterans of the gaming industry. Um, could you talk a little bit about that, about who you've got involved in the project? Uh, okay, so our lead game designer, uh, Rob, he comes from Ubisoft. He's worked on a number of successful uh, IPs before, and including mobile games as well. Myself, my background is in online games, um, particularly for CCP. Uh, such as EVE Online, you know, EVE Valkyrie, which was a virtual reality launch title, which was a lot of fun to work on. Um, our advisors come from the likes of um, Epic Games, which you obviously know from Fortnite and Riot, uh, League of Legends. So, like, you know, the, the people that are behind this game have been in the industry since the 90s. You know, we've got people that launched the original um, Command & Conquer. Uh, our narrative designer... Uh, Rick, he worked for Westwood Studios, so if you've been in the gaming scene for a while and you know real-time strategy, you'll know that Westwood uh, did Dune 2, which is you know the granddaddy of RTS, then they did Command & Conquer. Uh, we've got the same guy who, who launched Command & Conquer writing Hash Rush. The golden era. So yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, our, one of our monetization advisors, he's worked on um, you know, dating back to Age of Empires, yeah. like a big uh, RTS on PC. Uh, we have another like production advisor, uh, you know, is also a monetization expert, who worked on World of Warships and Guild Wars 2. So these are like you know big games that that have. It might be slightly different genres, but there's a lot of overlap to what Hashrush is trying to do. You know, then we have a PR and sort of branding and marketing uh, consultants who are helping us like position ourselves properly in this very, very competitive, very, very busy space that we're trying to occupy. You know, these are people that have worked on the likes of League of Legends and Fortnite, um, EVE Online, you know, dating back all the way through to, to even some of the LucasArts titles, like some of the Star Wars games and that kind of thing. So... You know, there's a strong pedigree and there's there's hundreds of years of combined industry experience. And that, that's another thing that kind of, I think, separates us from, from certain other uh, projects in the space is it's not just, you know, hey, this guy's been in blockchain for three years and this guy's worked on that blockchain project for five years. Like, no, the, we're making a game first and foremost that uses blockchain elements where it matters and we've got a lot of gaming power behind us. So you're in closed beta at the moment? Uh, alpha right now. Close alpha. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's limited to about 2,000 players, but with the sign-ups alive now for the closed beta at the end of this month. Brilliant. Uh, we do still have some slots available. Right. People can go and sign up and, you know, that's the one that's we for the first time testing because the alpha is just a gameplay test and a yeah. systems test. There's no blockchain integration or payouts, yeah. but the beta is when we start actually using um, you know, giving people wallets, uh, using Rushcoin. Well, you know, it's going to be fake Rushcoin in the sense that this is going to be sort of an off-chain test, mm. um, but it's still going to be running. You know, on on. I think it's. I don't know if it's what which testnet it is, but yeah. um, you know, we're also going to be testing out the player reward pool and giving away thirty thousand dollars worth of Ethereum. That's what's been earmarked for the for the test wow. to sort of mimic what the model is. Uh, 
you know, we're growing the mining farm and what we imagine right now will be close to $10,000 a month, you know, for the beginning. So for the sort of almost three months of beta, that's kind of the average that we're giving away will be about $30,000 of, yep. of Ethereum. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if, if people want to get involved, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes awesome. for, Thank for, you. for that. Uh, for that link mm. and uh, and and is there a release date slated yet for, for for getting out of beta or yeah so the planned launch date is you know it's it's late December um, but yeah you know the, the plan is to launch PC in English and Japanese at the end of this year we're talking to one of the largest publishers in South Korea to launch there in the middle of next year um, and you know to tie in with that hot on its heels will be the mobile launch which is what we're really looking forward to because that suddenly gets you in you know so many more people's pockets and than just the, the, the PC. Yeah, I was just, um, I'm not a gamer by background, but uh, I'm just just curious about what competitors there are in the space. Um, I mean, if you mean direct blockchain games? Yeah, or correct. Yeah, like like in the blockchain space, um, who else is, is building something similar? Um, look, nobody's doing Ethereum payouts and tying it to mining like we are. Uh, there's a couple of strategy games like Huntercoin's been around for a while which is more sort of a you know, an isometric, almost like an RPG with strategy elements. So they they also have their own token and coin that they reward you with. Sure. Uh, one project that we're really excited about, and you know, we think are doing great work, is called Neon District. It's a cyberpunk like narrative-driven RPG. Uh, they also you know really doing some great exciting stuff with uh, 721 tokens. Um, see what else is good. War Riders is a pretty promising, another one that looks like they've got some pretty high production values, uh, sort of like an action-y, looks like a bit of a Mad Max world. Um, again, that looks like one that's doing a lot of tech that's got nothing to do with blockchain to make a more fun game and then blockchain elements where they make sense. Beyond the Void is a kind of fan, no, not fan, a sci-fi MOBA style, which is like League of Legends in that um, now, Beyond the Void also have you know blockchain elements, but it's a it's a PC game first and foremost. Again, it looks beautiful, and you know the guys are doing some really great stuff on that project. Um, I'm trying to think, Altitude Games, they're a, an indie outfit from the Philippines, are actually doing some some really cool sort of experimental work. Like a lot of their stuff isn't really out yet, but they've got a, a good history in, in mobile games and understand game design, and they're bringing again people that have a background in making good games like how can we put blockchain in this you know first and foremost uh, the guys from spells of genesis so that's like hearthstone like a trading card game but all of those cards are tokenized items um sure there's i mean there's there's so many there's a big one that's just made the news an australian one the name just escapes me right now i think they've raised one and a half million um yeah so there's you know there's a australian project that's doing really well as well like a lot of people are, are i think that the hype has died down and now it's like what can we actually do that use this tech in a cool way you know yeah okay um just that term you use uh, like to grind items out can you just explain that uh well you know grinding is an old rpg term which is role-playing games where you would do repetitive actions if you needed to achieve a particular goal so you know one example is final fantasy or dragon quest these are classic japanese rpgs where you might have breezed through the story and suddenly you hit a boss that you can't defeat no matter how many times you try so you've got to go back out into the wild and grind out levels which means doing you know little battles getting tiny bits of experience acquiring a little bit more like healing potions until you've like basically ground out being able to defeat 
defeat the the big boss. So the the term grinding is just kind of stuck for anything where you do a um, you know the same kind of thing over and over. It might not be taking you down a narrative path. It might not be unlocking new levels, but you you acquire items or experience through grinding. Okay, yeah, great. Um, now you've you've got a uh, a mining farm for Ethereum. Now now what happens um, if Ethereum converts to to proof of stake? How how is What's your uh, contingency plan for that? Yeah, I mean, that that's a bit of a tough one. You know, the guys are looking into masternode st- staking as part of uh, what we do with the, um, you know, just the revenue that we generate. We also have, just in discussions right now, I haven't signed on the dotted line, so that's why we weren't mentioning them. But there's a company in Latvia that is talking about allowing people to stake with Rushcoin as well. Um, and so you know, people can buy into. We can use our own tokens to stake. We're also currently running a few masternodes too. Um, but you know, in terms of like, let's say the difficulty goes through the roof, or the price of Ethereum comes down, or they move to proof of stake. You know, we've got all this hardware, and we'll we'll find like the next most profitable uh, coin that's out there. You know, whether it's Ethereum Classic or, or Zcash, or you know, whether it's Monero. Uh, you know, we will just use what we've got as best as possible. You know. Um, I think there's a bit more to it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that's probably best answered by VZ Mining. You know, the company split into three. There's VZ Games making the game. VZ Chains are just doing all the blockchain development of VZ Mining, which is handling this side of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'd, it's, a, it's a threat. It's a risk. And you just have to adapt. You know? Yeah, okay. Um, what about marketing of the game? Like, once the game is fully developed, how do you plan to get... Uh, I guess mass adoption of it. Okay, so you know the plan is to just go with the the things that work for other good games. Like, I mean, first of all, step one, have a good game. You know, step two, appear at the you know the big gaming shows, which is exactly what we're doing. Like at the end of uh, at the end of this month, we're going to be at Tokyo Game Show, which is the largest show in Japan. It's one of the biggest in the world. You know, setting up a booth there, having people play it. You know, garner up more interest that way. Meet with journalists, and you know, just just get the the word out. You know, sort of semi-virally uh, by having an engaged community as well. You know, we've been pumping really hard online to get a little bit of a bounty campaign. Uh, you know, very strict bounty campaign rules. We're not rewarding people for liking us on Twitter or sharing nothing like that. It's like, hey, if you've got some good content, it's all going to be manually reviewed and like, you know, spread the word and grow the community. You'll be rewarded that way. At the same time, we're going to uh, EGX, which is the largest gaming event in the United Kingdom. We'll be there in about 10 days time. Uh, again, you know, we've got four PCs set up. We've got the lead game design executive producer, some of the um, community team and online marketing manager will be there just playing, uh, taking people through playing the game. Uh, meeting with journalists and just you know this is this is how things happen you you make trailers you spread the word you get people excited um, again step one have a good game and that's what we're working really hard to do you know uh, obviously being a going with the free to play model you've got to get volume and you've got to attract those uh, players so you know if we get the kind of reaction we're hoping for over the next few months and start getting that volume in you know we'll work at maybe some some larger campaigns some bigger shows at sorry bigger presences at the larger shows and you know just try and grow from strength to strength for now we're a small indie game limited by you know what amount of marketing you can do from a small indie game coming to events like this talking to people like you and you know really uh, the online push from our community we hope that we get some uh, some good advocates and people that are really engaged with the game and want to spread the word themselves. 
So, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Craig, for, for taking the time with us. Um, if people do want to learn more, I mean, we'll put the link in the show notes to the sign up for the beta. Mm. But if p- people do want to learn more, or they want to get involved, um, where should they go? Sure. Well, I mean, you, you can just go to the website, you know, hashrush.com. Uh, all the links to our social channels are there. You know, we're very active on Telegram, active on Discord as well. Um, you know, we try to keep a good presence on all of the, the main, you know, social networks. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you on Discord. You know, the, the team building the game are quite active there. You can ask us questions, you can join in, you can, you know, sign up for the, the alpha by, by coming in and like chat to us. You know, who knows, we might just let you in. <laughs> sign up for the beta and, you know, give us your feedback. We want to hear what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. We can keep improving. And like I say, the devs are active and, you know, Wendy here from you. Craig Rushi, thank you so much. Uh, awesome. And we thanks look forward to uh, seeing where uh, Hash Rush goes. Cool. Thanks cool. for having me, guys. Not a problem. Sure. I, I kind of wish I was there now, man. Like, um, no, I'm definitely going to be checking more out about it. Because, um, I mean, from what I saw on the website briefly, it looks kind of interesting. And I'm not like a real-time strategy gamer, but the like it requires not something any idiot can make. Yep. It's, those things require a lot of thought, a lot of effort. Yeah. Like, Sounds awesome. Yeah, and they've got a big team and the so the, the trailer that you can go and watch is all in-game footage with the Unity engine. Wow. So and they they've got a real focus on bringing that to mobile as well, which wow. which is which is really interesting. Sheesh. So I think it's definitely one to check out. Um I'm going to try and get access to the alpha, just have a play around with it, but the link to the beta is up. I think it's going live with the beta pretty soon. Wow. And so we'll put the link in the show notes for that, but yeah, just a really interesting project to watch. I think, um, I think, yeah, it's definitely definitely one to keep an eye on and get involved in if you're into mm-hmm. that kind of thing. We have a roving reporter, Jordan Cronier, who used to do some form of work for us, and now he's sort of. I've called him that many times and asked him to do the work, and he won't do the work. So, so now we just call him for entertainment purposes, really. Mm. I mean, it's good to catch up with him. He's an absolutely wonderful dude, but mm. you know, lazy as anything, and I can really identify with him. But <laughs> yeah, that's funny that you can identify with him. Yeah, I mean, it's like you share, like you got you share something in common. Um, you got the same initial J. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that's it. There you go. That's what it is. Anyway, yeah. let's give him a call. Jordan. 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 Oh, yes, mate. Oh, look at it. Oh, it's so good being in the same time zone, huh? Yeah, Jordan, this is strange. There's no delay in our conversation. Oh, mate, so much better, huh? Are you here in, are you here in Brisbane? I mean, you haven't visited after our last phone call, so I, I'm not sure where you are exactly. Are you in Brisbane or in oh, Sydney? Oh, I'm actually down in Sydney, down at the headquarters. I actually may have seen you at the conference the other week, but I, I didn't come over and say hello. You looked pretty busy, huh? Oh, okay. Oh, it would have been good to see you, Jordan. I mean, we could have shared a beer. We could have gone through your plan for the articles for the next few weeks that you owe us. It would have been great. Oh, look, some things are not meant to be, huh? Okay, well, look, moving on, Jordan. What, what have you been up to? Last time we talked to you, you're working for News Corp. How's it going? Have you settled in? Oh, dude, it's so interesting, huh? Because I actually found a bit of a secret, and not many people know about it, huh? So I'm bringing this to the FOMO listeners ahead of the pack. 
All right, exclusive from Jordan Cronier. We haven't had one of these in a while. So, look, I was walking through the News Corp headquarters, mm-hmm. and I'm looking around, I'm like, where's all the journalists, eh? You know, we have a receptionist, we have the advertising department, you know, we've got the departments for every possible thing, but there's no, I can't find any journalists. And then I I went, I, I saw a room, and it said editorial board. I opened the door. Okay. The editorial board, get this, Matt, it's... A massive circuit board. No, hang, hang on, Jordan. The, no, the editorial board is where all the editors are. All the editors are the people that approve the articles and improve them and make sure they're ready to print. Well, look, as far as I'm aware, the editorial board at News Corp is a big circuit board. They're running on big data. They're running on machine intelligence. It's artificial intelligence. It's nuts. It's the next best. It's crazy, huh? Absolutely crazy. Well, you wouldn't believe it, huh? Okay, so are, are you telling me that when you submit your article to this editorial board, it's not humans that are reviewing it. It's some form of artificial intelligence that's hidden away. Not even that. The reason they weren't accepting any more articles is because they already write these articles by machine, right? So it turns out Rupert Murdoch, every morning, he just writes down a few, you know, tweet-sized things of what he wants to say. This editorial board just automatically whips up whips up articles and fills the newspapers with it. It's all done by machine. It's crazy. It's not a conspiracy. There's no chemtrails. There's no nothing like that. It's 100% written by machine. He says vote for Trump. The next day, newspaper says vote for Trump. He says, you know, buy, buy these, you know, Adidas, you know, Colin Kaepernick trainers. And then suddenly, Colin Kaepernick buy trainers, lots of backlash, all this. Jordan, okay. Look, I, I know... That may be what it looked like when you looked in the room, but I'm sure they're, they're an Australian business. They, they they put out articles all the time. They, they're quite clearly written by humans. I'm sure. I'm sure that this must just be a bit of a misunderstanding. They couldn't. They could not have an editorial board. No, 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 no. I can prove it to you, right? Two weeks ago, I went into this news uh, into this editorial board and I added a new input into the news article system. I said, Australia needs a new Prime Minister. You said Australia needs a new Prime Minister two weeks ago. You wouldn't believe what happened, Matt. Australia, we had a new Prime Minister. It was crazy. It was everywhere in the news. We've had more Prime Ministers than anything. I tell you, it's the editorial board. It's artificial intelligence. It's not the conspiracy. I it's ridiculous. Huh? No, no, sh- Jordan. Surely that's just that's just one outlier. Have you fed anything else into this machine? Well, look. Yesterday, I wanted to take it a step further. You know, changing a country is one thing, but I said, you know what? I put the words "chemical weapons" in Syria. You wouldn't believe what happened, mate. But Jordan, you said that Mr. Murdoch uh, writes the agenda every day, doesn't he? Oh, bro. Yes, of course he does, huh? Okay, and don't you think that he'll realise that the agenda he's writing isn't being played out, it's being altered by someone? Oh, oh, bro. Was there security cameras at News Corp near these near this room that you went into when you were altering things? Oh, bro, oh I believe there could have been one or two, huh? Jordan, Mr. Cronier, open up. Mr. Cronier, we will come oh. in. We have oh. a warrant for your arrest. Oh, Blue, I've got to go. I've got to go. I, I, I'll speak to you another time, huh? All right, we're coming in. Break this door down. You'll never take me alive.
Mate, that's that's it. He's gone. Oh, mate, that is the most worrying Jordan Cronier I've ever heard. That's literally here in Australia too. Oh, mate. Who do you call? I don't know, man. I, I'm going to have to make some phone calls because... Uh, but, but then I don't, I don't even know if I want to be associated with this. Do you think he's okay? Look, he's he's survived gunfire somewhere in the Middle East. He's been to Saudi Arabia. He's been locked up in Venezuela. Look, we may end up having to do a memorial episode on Jordan Cronier. Um, in which case, search... FOMO.show slash funeral? No, if you just search the phone, or go on our website, search Jordan. Um, it will crop up with all the episodes with Jordan features mm. uh, in memoriam. Do we need to do a complete disclaimer of not knowing him, not being a... S- we haven't... No, we've got it on record. We haven't got anything... We no, haven't, look, we the, haven't encouraged no, no, any no, of this. He's not an employee of this show. Yeah, cool. The views of this show are not at all... Jordan Cronier's views. Yeah, thank goodness, yeah. And we are not accessories to crimes. Know someone who might enjoy this? Please feel free to share it with them. You can find us at FOMO.show. You can jump on our telegram at FOMO.show slash telegram. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash the FOMO show. And YouTube at FOMO.show slash YouTube. That's it for us here at the FOMO show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like our show, please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always, remember, no fun. Ruining this in the episode template. It sh- sh- this should say. This should <laughs> never say. This should never say your friends. With you do realize with them. I'm, I'm going to update the template. Right now. I'm sorry, man. This has gone on for two minutes. This it's has gone like, on for like ten episodes. Like, please feel free to share it with your friends. No, someone enjoy enjoy this, please. Like, no, one, no, someone might enjoy this. Those questions even connected. You can I, find us at FOMO.show. I take full responsibility. Jump on our Telegram at FOMO.show slash Telegram. We've moved from Slack. Follow us on Twitter. Any more twists and turns? Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. (laughs) I look forward to reading it. This is the shipping forecast. (laughs) I actually listened to a whole podcast on the shipping forecast. Real interesting. Really? It's a shipping forecast that comes out of the UK. It's like Smoggy Creek. It's just like pressure good. Really? 34. Medium. Clear. Because I mean, because I guess that like Britain is like runs so much still on like ships sailing. It's like in the British blood. Like yeah, that's yeah. why they, actually they yeah. do it on all of these radio stations around yeah. the UK. And I never heard it yeah. until I heard this podcast. But mm. It's like it plays a few times a day in the UK on mm. radio stations. And most people like there's even a five hour version on YouTube that sends people to sleep. And this guy who wrote, who used to read it back in like from the seventies to like present, yeah, he actually got hired by this company to just do like reading sleep stories to people. Really? Yeah, and he just read the shipping forecast. He's he's got the great voice. Yeah, right. I know his voice from reading stuff. Yeah. But, oh, oh, mate. Cool story. Yeah, shipping forecast. 
because I'm reading that to rule the ra- to rule oh, the waves yeah, still at right. the moment. I'm still working my way through it because I'll kind of come back to it between other books. Yeah, and it's right up to where like Nelson Nelson's just died. Oh, okay. So like you know um, Horatio Nelson, um, and but like you just you get such an appreciation for like just how in, like. Britain back then, it was just all about the sea and all about the ships. And, like, that's just everything in the country was just, like, focused on that, you know. Wow. And they were just the trading hub for the entire world. And, yeah, it's just nuts. Because even on my phone today, like, a photo came up from when I was up in Kirkwall in Scotland um, four years ago. It was four years ago. I was up in, like, right at the top in the Orkneys at Kirkwall. And... uh, I've got this photo where I'm eating fish and chips yeah. and I'm like sitting on a table. So, oh, fish and chips. Fish and chips. Yep. And I'm like right at, the t- right at the top of Scotland and I'm looking out on this like just amazing like port because it's just a series of islands. Wow. And so, you can see like green hills off to one side, islands in the distance and there's just all these like fishermen's boats and other boats coming back into um, into dock for the mm-hmm. night and so, you can see and, and people jumping out and unloading stuff and... Just it's just, it was just such a magical place. Like it just took me back. I was like, oh, little fishing like seaside. It's like the biggest city in the Orkneys, but it's still just like a little fishing village in the grand wow. scheme of things. And uh, yeah, man, it was um, it was good. Fishermen memories. get paid well. Yeah, man. Uh, I met yeah. some dude. He went out on like the prawn season. Oh. wasn't he? He was just paid like fifteen grand for mm. like a certain number of days at sea. Yeah. He just like comes back and he had no time to spend anything. He just earned money. Yep. And stared at the sea. Yep. Yep. Because I um so as the the guys didn't pay going, tax. I, I think he didn't pay tax. I can't remember. Maybe right. He didn't pay tax. Okay. You have to pay your own insurance and stuff. I take that back. Because he's tax, in international waters when he's earning it. Is that why? Oh, I'm starting to feel like I'm lying now. Okay. Or maybe sure. you've just dobbed him into the the tax agency. <laughs> he was meant to pay tax and he hasn't. Uh, jokes on you, Harry. <laughs> You can jump on our telegram at FOMO.show slash... <laughs> We've moved from slash... <laughs> Immutable blockchain. Immutable blockchain. Immu- Sprinkle it. We literally need, Just like, a barbershop. <laughs> so, like, we need to yes. pay a barbershop. Immutable. 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 <laughs> Immutable. <laughs> Immutable. And that's like the hallmark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, I'm just seeing a whole bunch of buzzwords, man. Because this is just Ripple. Isn't yeah, it? Like, a, isn't this what Ripple have already been doing? That's a very good point. It's just because it's just a settlement layer for the but banks. you can't hodl the world wire. wire. No. Uh, no, when moon. When moon. When, when <laughs> How Lambo. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's insane how good phone graphics are getting. I still saw one of the new iPhone, was it X or Y? I don't know what it is. The the one of the little dip in the top of the screen. Mm. And this dude is just playing some like golf game on it, but it's like 3D. And it probably came out years ago, but it's amazing mm. how like good yeah. phone game graphics are getting. Yeah, because they just optimize it so well now. And these gaming engines like Unity are... They're building for mobiles as much as they're building for PCs now, you know? And so, it's just, you're right. I'll sit near people on the bus and I'll be watching the stuff they're playing and I'm like, whoa, mm. how are you even playing that, you know? Do you remember the Engage? Did you get the, did you ever see oh, Engage yeah, back yeah, in the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah, The cool yeah. kids and stuff yep. at it. <laughs> yeah. And it, didn't it have like some kind of, didn't they try and build some kind of streaming 
ability in it or I can't even remember. But, yeah, but that was, like, the forerunner of all these, like, current mobile games because the whole focus of it was to, like, be able to use, like, really graphically intense games mm. on, like, a mobile kind of device. And but isn't it insane that we're from, like, the desktop, mm. you know, race of people. PC master race. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know what? Two years ago, even one year, even 30 days ago, we're sitting there watching a video that someone's filmed in portrait mode being like, this is death. Yep. How can you have, How can you in the 21st century not rotate your phone <laughs> to film? But now Instagram, I mean, they launched this like portrait, you know, TV service. Yeah. Where it's. And everything on Instagram, like, is optimised in portrait. And there's yep. me sitting there like, portrait's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. But aren't I an idiot? Because most of the people are on their Everyone's, phones. those stories, everyone's watching them Man. in portrait. And, and like, I've even been sucked in. I don't use Instagram much, but, like, I had, like, a notification come up being like, here's your recent stories from these people. And I was like, oh, what is this? Like, I clicked on it. And then, yeah, it's just people doing things in places and it's all in portrait. And... Yeah, I didn't even. It only just now when you're telling me that none of it's in landscape, that's when it clicked that I've been watching everything in portrait because I never rotate my phone, mm. and I didn't even think it was an issue when I was watching it. I was like, I just watched it, and it was good. It's annoying when you're wrong, and I'm so wrong <laughs> so many times. I don't know why you listen to this show. We can't see the future. But we were talking last week. <laughs> we were talking last week about the uh, Creative Zen. Do you remember the Creative Zen back in the day? It was like an MP3 player. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like better in every way than the iPod. Like mm. Same time as mm. the iPod, better in every single way, except it didn't look as sexy, although I thought it looked sexier. Mm. But to most people, it didn't look as sexy. It didn't have an apple on the back of it. Mm. And that was literally the difference. It had like mm. double the storage, colored screen yeah. when Apple had black and white. Um, had all these extra features. It had this awesome like scroll... Bar, um, yeah. which I actually found way more intuitive than the Apple exactly. wheel thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and like, yeah, like it was like semi waterproof, all these different things. You could customize your backgrounds, it synced up to your computer, and you could actually just like look at your MP3s mm-hmm. instead of Apple made them all like you had to use it in iTunes. So it was like the, it was like the open source version mm-hmm. designed to be good at everything, and it didn't, it didn't win. Like, it should have won and it didn't win. Like, it was better in almost every way. But Apple's marketing, the name, like iPod was just brilliant. Um, and, and, uh, and you know, everything that they did to make it seem really cool, even though it was the inferior device, it won out, you know? And so, like, you can't, like, apply logic to these things. Yeah. 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 Like, it's really... Because, I mean, I think it comes from us being, like, desktop people who, you know, are always trying to look for the best specs, get the most value mm, for our money, mm. most functionality. We have a certain attitude. But, but no most one else people, buys computers to game. That's right. Most people just want something that's convenient and it works. Mm. And I guess you can apply it to you can apply it to nearly everything. You can apply it to crypto. You know? I was chatting to someone a couple of days ago and he was saying that um he was saying, look, it's all it's all the banks are gonna come out with something that's just more convenient. And they're going to come out. They're all going to look at this. If it gets, they'll get to a certain point where they're legitimately threatened, mm. and they'll look at this and they'll say, "Well, either we build, we make payments instant, fearless, and uh, able to be sent overseas to other banks, and we just make that happen, or within their app, 
or we do get taken over by crypto. And he's like, they will make it so good mm. and they will they will completely change their model. They'll take away all their fees. They'll make payments instant, which they're already starting to do. Um, and they'll make it so good. It'll all be within their like application experience. You'll never want to use crypto. Mm. Mm. And uh, and and in my head, I was like, he could he could be right. Mm. He could be right because people. What do people care about? Do they care about privacy or convenience? Mm. Do they want public keys and fumble around for their backup cards? Nah. Or something they're already familiar with. If, you know? if there was the hardest lesson I've learned in marketing, which is a good good lesson for any sort of area of where you think you might know what the future is, because we don't know what the yep. future is, but it's. If you're trying to do, you know, sell something to somebody, you need to remember you are not the customer. Mm. And, uh, you know, I might think, oh, well, do you know, I wouldn't like an advert that, you know, comes into my email account. I wouldn't run an email list because, you know, I hate it when I get emails. Mm. Do you know, I'm not the customer. Some That's people right. just like, <laughs> and so there's true. me sitting there being like, oh, I don't want to email people because I would hate that. But then the thing is, I'm not the customer yeah. and I'm suddenly switching off to a, like a multi-million dollar pipeline. Yeah. Is that why so many people do market testing? Oh, what, like in a small little area before they like yeah. go out further? Yeah, or they take different ideas to, to, to essentially different groups of people and say, what do you think about these ideas? Well, I guess in a lot of, a lot of ways, it's like the person who ignores, you know, David Ogilvy, the great ad guy, he yep. said the person, the marketing person who ignores, re- the advertising person who ignores research is more dangerous than the general who ignores enemy, intercepted enemy communications. Wow. No, I think that's it, really. Wow. Based on your data. Yep. I mean, you see what people are doing. Mm. Take your pick. And that's probably why there's such a focus on, like, just getting as much data as you possibly mm. can now because the mm. more data is power. Like, mm. the more data you have on people and what their habits are and what they're doing, the more you're able to tail those experiences mm. and make sure you stay on top. It'll illuminate where things are going. And I think, you know, if you see reports and if you see cool data... Chuck mm. it on the phone, show. We'd love to see if it's just a screenshot of cool stuff. Yeah. Because the more you know, the better, you know, I don't know. Like, it's cool to know stuff. Yeah, Same yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, so, I, I hope, just, just as an aside, I hope we're not talking about private keys in five years. Oh, man. You know, like, hmm. sometimes I wonder if, if, like, we're even on the right track with no, you know, public and private keys. They make sense cryptographically, mm. but they're so. Maybe it will be that the banks become the holders of private keys. Yeah, and they're like they're they're the two step authentication. Yep, like your authentication is somewhere else, and it's yeah, and then tax works that way. Yeah. Digital, I mean, digital identity, there's plenty of people trying to solve that problem at the moment. Because it is stupid. I hate private keys. It's, it's rubbish, man. I mean, literally last week, I was chatting to a bloke and one of his friends of friends um, sent like a pretty sizable amount of money in Ethereum to the wrong address and just lost it. Just lost it. It's gone. And he's not apparently, you know, he's not he's not like loaded. Like it was a pretty sizable chunk of money, but he didn't check. He didn't send a. He didn't know. He didn't send like a small transaction first or use Tabby Pay. Mm. Um, 
And uh, I even, uh, I think it was even like some proper like collectibles or something. Like it wasn't even just Ethereum. It was like some pretty rare, because I mean, these new crypto collectibles are like, they're probably going to be worth a bunch of money in the future because they're the first of their kind. And it was something like that and just gone, it's, you know? Sh- yeah, because I have to check like, there's so many characters. I check, you know, the first few and the last few and try and make sure it matches up and yep. check it four times. And yep. after I've copied it to the clipboard, I paste it and check it visually just in yep. case I've got some piece of malware that's, yep. you know, running into But it's, yeah, user it's interface. exhausting, man. User like, interface, so man. So, I mean, we talk about instant transactions, but you spend 10 minutes checking the addresses to, to make sure that it's, it's going to work, you know, and... You can't have that kind of stuff if you're moving around. Right, I'm selling everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, man. Yeah. yeah. And like so much comes down to user experience. There was so much hype like six months ago between us. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm still... Yeah. I think I'm still hyped. Yeah. I'm yeah, hyped yeah, about... Yeah, yeah. A I, few projects. Yeah. And and the possibilities. Mm. Like at the end of the day, I use Linux. So like my, my threshold for... For um, technical stuff is a lot higher than a lot of people, I guess. Uh, but yeah, like just talking talking about user experience before and talking about convenience, so much of it comes down to that. And I think we got to pretty quickly work out a way to make these things more convenient. Otherwise, who's going to use them? Who's going to use them? Yeah. Like if my parents asked me whether to use crypto at the moment to pay people, I'd be like. I don't know, like maybe if I can teach you well enough so that you don't lose all your money by sending it to the wrong address, then yeah, maybe. But you might as well just use cash. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm. yeah. And so, and yeah, until I can tell my parents to use something and it's easy for me to set them up yep. with it, Yeah, I think that's like the litmus test, mm. you know. Or, I mean, you could say same thing with grandparents, but like, yeah, until I can go to my parents and say, here's this thing, it's easier than using We need some money. mobile apps that just work. Maybe it's just connects yeah. to Google. And maybe you just connect with Google. Yeah. And maybe it just, maybe it very insecurely stores it against your Google account. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And as long as you've got two-factor authentication on your Google account, you're fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you don't need a password. It's just like, as long as you're logged into Google, la, la, la. Yeah. And that becomes your ultimate security. Yeah. And then people people <clears throat> just build the smart contracts in such a way that, uh, like, build their applications and smart contracts in such a way as that's where the security takes place. Mm. And they take the security, they take the, se- the security responsibility away from the user. Yeah. Because it's all good to talk about being your own bank until you actually realise that you've then got the responsibility of being a bank. Mm. And I had a family member call me up recently and just said that their uh, their PayPal account had been hacked and there was a bunch of money that someone had essentially spent and then shut the bank account down wow. and it was in their name. And uh, and I said, well, that's why they've got whole fraud divisions and they're a bank and they'll, you know, they'll be able to fix it. Like you just got to talk to support. Mm. They'll be able to reverse it. Um it's all good, you know, like they'll fix it. But you don't get that with crypto, mm. you know. It's just once it happens, it happens and that's it. Mm. So, yeah, as much as we talk about taking trusted custodians away, we're still probably going to need them. No 
someone who might enjoy this. Please feel free, please feel free to share with them. You can find us at Femme.show. You can uh, jump on our Telegram at Femme.show slash Telegram. Let's move on Slack. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Femme.show. And even YouTube at Femme.show slash YouTube. I look forward to subscribing. <laughs>